2: thoughts godly thoughts as paul instructs us encourage us to be more like god as i begin to understand what god wants when i mention the word pure and holy well i'm supposed to be holy as god is holy well remember without god my sin nature is essential and i'll head over in that area no god's going to help me so When I read his thoughts, when you do your homework this week in Psalm 139, it will encourage you to think like God and then be like God. I mean, the outcome is to be like God. That's what we're supposed to be like, Christ-like.
0: You've heard the saying, you are what you eat, right? Well, there's a similar saying that you are what you think. The Bible says that however a person thinks, that's how they'll turn out. The world system tries to permeate your thoughts with what it wants you to think about without your consciously taking it in. God wants you to be a participant, not a spectator, in how your thinking turns out. Pastor Mark is teaching you why you're supposed to make this transformation happen, as well as how it's done, using the principles that God has given you in the Bible. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 4, as he continues his message, Think Great Thoughts, God is...
1: Next,
2: and see what comes to your mind when I read this one. Fix your thoughts on what is impure, vulgar, obscene, and indecent. That is the goal of the entertainment industry in our world. TV, movies, MTV, music. That is the goal. How are they doing? Very well. Next. Fix your thoughts on what is disgusting and repulsive. And last. Fix your thoughts on what is despicable and condemning. And I wrote the summary to that. Think about things that are bad. Unworthy. Inferior. Inferior. And things that are not worthy of any praise. Spend your time thinking like that. Now to be honest, you and I are going to say, what? Who'd want to waste their time thinking like that? Exactly. That's why Paul gives us the opposite. If I don't, my old sinful nature will fool around with those things. I added some more bad thoughts, not godly thoughts, thoughts of anxiety, thoughts of fear and anger and division and jealousy and hatred and pride. Those aren't things that God wants us to think about at all. Now, what is the outcome if I take the opposite, as Paul mentioned to us, And I think about things that are pure and just and true. What is the outcome of great thinking? Let me give you three things. I want you to write them down. I'll take some time on them this morning. Number one, great thoughts, godly thoughts, as Paul instructs us, encourage us to be more like God. As I begin to understand what God wants, when I mention the word pure and holy, well, I'm supposed to be holy as God is holy. Well, remember, without God, my sin nature is sensual. And I'll head over in that area. No, God's going to help me. So when I read his thoughts, when you do your homework this week in Psalm 139, it will encourage you to think like God and then be like God. I mean, the outcome is to be like God. That's what we're supposed to be like, Christ-like. Number two, great thoughts inspire us to praise God. If you really take time doing your homework this week in Psalm 139, you will have to stop pretty much every morning and praise God for something. When I understand how great God is, if I take time and meditate, I have to stop and praise. I couldn't get this song out of my mind. And I don't have time to sing it this morning. We didn't have time to sing it. This is a song we sing. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for the promise. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your love. And thank you for everything you've done for me. And the chorus goes like this. There is no one like you. There is no one like you, God. All my hope is in you, Jesus, Jesus. Amen? Amen? You see, as you begin to think about God... I mean, why? All my hope is in me. That's disgusting. Amen? If your hope's in you, God help you. If it's in me, God help you. It's in God. So as we begin those thoughts, it will automatically lead to the praise of God. And last... When I become like Christ, it's not about me. When Jesus walked in this earth, he said, you know, the rulers of this earth say this, serve me. But Jesus said, not so with you. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. So if I'm going to be thinking great thoughts, godly thoughts, it's not only going to be about God changing me, but I'm going to be able to give an encouraging word to other people. Any of you here need an encouraging word from time to time from somebody else? Anybody? Yeah, would not you just turn to your neighbor right now and just say this, encouraging word. Just go say it to him right now. Everybody, say it to me. Now, I want you to do this. Watch me. I want you to turn to that same neighbor that said it to you and say that you didn't mean it at all. Go ahead and just say it right now. That's exactly right. What kind of deal is this? Encouraging word. No, you have to mean it. It has to be an encouraging word. If you this week, husband, came home and said, here's your flowers that are required on Valentine's Day. You can put that prayer request in for the other eye that is open. That it won't be closed. Amen? Exactly right. So see, there's great things that happen. Let me summarize that verse in the message translation. Listen. Summing it all up, my friends... I'll say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true and noble and reputable and authentic and compelling and gracious. Fill your minds with things that are best, not worse. Beautiful, not ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. So what does Paul mean when he says fix your mind? He means this. Before I put this thought in my mind... I need to stop and ask, is it true, real, genuine truth? Is it honorable, honor and respect? Is it just, right in God's eyes? Is it pure, pure, holy, moral? Is it lovely, pleasant and attractive? Is it admirable? Does it build up? Is it positive and encouraging? So it's not just those words. It's the biblical principles of the character of God. Actually, if you want to know, there's many people that feel verse 8 is really a character picture of Jesus Christ. All those things you read there is who Jesus was. And what are you called? You're called a Christian. I'm called a Christian. So we should be like that sample list of characteristics. Now, notice that Paul starts... Look at his first word. He starts with something called true. He says, think on those things are true. It means real, not something hidden. It simply means genuine, and it really means truth. Think on things that are really true. Let me give you an illustration. Your child wakes you up at 2 a.m. You take his temperature. It's 105. You give him a sip of water and put him back to bed. You go back to bed and your wife says, What was Billy's temperature? And you say, 105. She says, Well, what are you doing here? We've got to get him to the doctor right now. And you say, No, no, no. 105 is a normal temperature for all humans. Billy's fine. Tell me this morning, what's the normal temperature for humans? Really? Really? So either this dad is wrong or medical science is wrong. Watch me, read my lips. Truth matters. You see, some people say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as what you believe you do it sincerely. If this dad sincerely believes the average temperature is 105, that child may die. Understand, there is such a thing as absolute truth. You won't get the world to agree with that. Because we live in a world called relativism. It means this. Whatever is true for you. It's fine. Here's the way I believe and it's fine too. And it doesn't really matter. That's foolishness. There's absolute truth. Absolute truth. And I want to share with you a principle that I want you to write. Correct living is rooted in correct belief. You see, what I believe, what I think about, I become. So correct living is rooted in correct belief. In other words, what is true? Everyone really wants to believe what they believe is true. But we have a problem. We have an enemy, Satan, who's known as the father of lies. So we have a God who's known as the father of truth. So there's the battle. How can we know what is really truth? And I'm not talking about, how many remember a few years ago, everybody thought butter was good. Uh, uh, How many thought butter was good? And then the health people came out and said, oh, no, no, you can't have butter. You got to have what? Margarine." So we ate margarine. Now a few years ago, guess what happened? We're back to butter again. I'm not talking about that kind of jazz. I mean, Dr. Oz will say tomorrow, whatever. Use olive oil on uh, your mouth and you feel better. Okay, it must be EV though, you know what I mean? From Rachel. It's got to be that EV olive oil. Extra virgin. Wow. That's holy. In case she didn't know that, that's holy olive oil. Praise God. I'll remember that, baby. That was good. All right, now. Let me get back to where in the world I was. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about real truth that never changes. Here's a verse. Watch what it says Titus 1 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, notice, who cannot lie and promise before time begins. Here's the truth. I'm going to give you a bunch of truths I want you to write down this morning. Here's true. God is truth and God cannot lie. Notice that verse doesn't say, He chooses not to lie. He cannot lie. It's not like you and me. I can lie. We've all lied. God can't lie. By the way, Satan can't tell the truth. (laughs) So, what does that mean to me? It means this God is the God of truth. And then the Bible says in John 14 6, Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. And we learn in John 14 and verse 16, and John chapter 14 and 16, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. So the Trinity is based on one thing truth. Here's the problem since they know all the truth, how do I get the truth? Do I have to speculate as to what is true? Or is there revealed truth? Turn with me to John 17, and let me show you how that works. John 17. You'll see that in the Bible right there, John 17. What happens is this. Jesus is speaking, and he's praying to his Father for his people, praying for you and me. There's John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at John 17, verse 17. Jesus is speaking this to you and me this morning. Notice what he says. Sanctify them, set them apart by the truth. Now, here's the defining statement. Jesus says to the Father, Father, your word is truth. Notice Jesus doesn't say, well, your word contains some truth. No, he says your word, the Bible, is true. Either verse 17 is 100% true or it's not true at all. It's either 100% true or it's not true at all. You say, well, I don't really believe that. Fine. You'll discover later, too late, it was true. God cannot lie. See, as you begin to think about that, we find truth where then? We find truth simply here in the Bible. The Bible is God's mind to us. It's his revelation, how to live here, how to get to heaven. Let me give you another example. See, correct living is rooted in correct belief. A hundred years from now, some of you will, unless you change... You'll be separated from God forever in hell. Because you would not believe this truth. Jesus said it. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And no one gets to God except through me. Pastor Mark, I don't believe that at all. There's lots of ways to get to God. Any church can get me there. I can get myself there. Here, here's a lie from Satan. Good people go to heaven. That's not true. That's 100% a lie. You might be here this morning, a great person... Generous person, a moral person, you will not get to heaven. Goodness doesn't take away sin. Only Jesus takes away sin. See, either John 14 6 is 100% true or it's 100% false. Either he is the only way to God or he's not. Coward Chapel is not the way to God. I'm certainly not the way to God. Catholic Church is not the way to God. No church is the way to God. Only Jesus is the way to God. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't believe it. Correct living? comes from correct belief. Wrong living comes from wrong belief. And wrong living ends with a wrong destination. See, truth matters. Huge. We're not talking about butter or margarine. We're talking about your life. Now, let me give you an illustration. While Barry and I came back, back from India, we were in Orlando picking up our luggage on Tuesday. And a man walked up, and he was waiting for his luggage. You know, you have to Wait for your luggage to take some time. And he had been to India. He discovered we had been there. And we were talking. And he had been there for a couple years. And he was a worker and a manager. And he did neat things. And he says, you know, I learned some neat things in India. And he he said, I learned not to be anxious. You got these 1.2 billion people. And they're moving everywhere. And they just seem to get along fine. He said, I just learned not to be anxious. That's really a good thing, isn't it? And he said, the second thing I learned is this. I learned while I was there... That family has to be my number one priority before anything else in my life. And I said to him, you know, family is hugely important. But your statement is not true. I said it kindly. He said, what do you mean? I said, no, the truth is that God comes before anyone or any person or anything. He said, well, I don't believe that at all. My family comes before God. Well, is this man thinking true thoughts? Turn to Matthew chapter 10. I said to him, no, I'm smarter than you. Here's my human reasoning. No, that won't work. That won't work at all. So, see, if we know God's word, we know truth. And that's why we study God's word here. Our world doesn't know the Bible. I'm sorry. They just don't. Matthew ten thirty seven. Notice what Jesus says. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus answered the question, who has to be first in our life? God. The first commandment, Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. So this man has wrong thinking. Because of that, he will have wrong living. His family, which is obviously important, will come before his quiet time. Before even I don't even know if he goes to church. He's decided to make up his own beliefs. They're not bad beliefs. Family is huge, but it's wrong belief. You know, we have the iPhone, the iPod, the iPads. We have the newest one today. I God. It's not new. It's as old as the Garden of Eden. You see. The biggest idol in all the world is self. This man said, no, you're wrong. I'm going to put my family before anything else. Let me give you a truth to write today. Truth. This doesn't come from man. doesn't come from a church. It comes from God. Truth. God comes before anyone or anything in our lives. It's very easy for us to get priorities out of mix. For some of you today, it's not your family that comes first, it's your hobbies. For some of you, it's your work. For some of you, it's your businesses. For some of you, it's money. For some of you, it's pleasure. And they come before God. Do you know what could come before God for me? This church. My ministry. Very easy for me to take all my time and focus on this church. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I can't focus on this church before I focus on God. Otherwise, I'm useless to you. So those priorities, it's very hard to keep God first. It's very hard. We're going to give you a chance this morning because God's already been speaking to you. Right now, some of you. You've got to get that priority back. This man was wrong. You see, God's word is our ultimate guide of truth and practice. The Bible doesn't tell us everything we want to know. But it does tell us everything we need to know. Turn to James chapter 4 quickly. James chapter 4. You'll see where it is. Right near the end of the Bible. Now when you read verse 13, I want you to think what this man or woman is thinking about. James 14. James chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business, and we'll make money. To be honest, it looks pretty good. Somebody's planned some things out. But notice this person is thinking and dwelling on thoughts that are really not ultimately true. Notice they're thinking they're going to live tomorrow. And then they're going to live for a long time. And then they're thinking that they're in charge of their business. And notice, they're going to make money. Really? In this economy? Well, what is wrong with verse 13? Here's what's wrong with verse 13. There's no God in it. This is man making plans. Now, making plans is very good. You don't make plans, you're planning to fail. We have to make plans. But this man is making plans with God not in it. He thinks he's going to live tomorrow and he's going to live for a long time. No, no. His life's extent is not in his hands. It's in God's hands. So what is going to be the response of this wrong thinking? Maybe that's you today. You're making all these plans and God isn't in your plan at all. Careful. That's terrible thinking. Now, watch. He thinks he's ruling his own life. But look at verse 14 says, look at why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Is that true? Yes, it is. 9-11, the day before. Anybody have a clue? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Then he says this, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Hello.
0: Today, Pastor Mark taught on the concept spoken of in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 about fixing or focusing your mind on things that honor God. He also explained the reasoning behind this focusing of thought. It pleases God and brings your thinking into alignment with God's way of thinking. If you don't do that, there's no way you can live a life that honors God. Next time, we'll come to the conclusion of the teaching, Think Great Thoughts, God Is. Pastor Mark will continue to talk about the correlation between correct living and correct beliefs. Knowing what is actually true will help you figure out what is the truest way of living. It's awesome knowing that the God of the universe cares about you enough to show you the right way to live your life. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark We'll continue teaching through this series, Contagious Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry